It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. always helps when you turn your mic on i apologize i uh will edit this out of the uh the the version after after we're done here um my goodness uh you you would think that this is uh my first show obviously not this is uh now show 14 so far again my name is colin livingston welcome to talk and torque um if you uh if you were able to read lips you knew what i was talking about but uh we uh <laughs> we uh we covered a little bit of f1 um f1 uh raced at monaco one of the crown jewels of the racing world indy was at the 500 one of the biggest races in the entire world uh indy obviously put on a great show uh lots of passing uh which is which is always going to happen at the 500 thanks to drafting a uh, little bit of a uh, little little bit of a scary situation during a crash with the uh, the the tire that came off of Kyle Kirkwood's car uh, ended up flying out of the stadium. Fortunately, all um, all that happened was uh, hit a hit a parked car. Uh, thankfully, no one was hurt. Uh, lots of controversy towards the end of the race. How how um, there were two red flags restarted straight out of the pits and went straight to green. Um, not really sure what everyone thought of that, but uh, getting back to F1, uh, I don't care what anyone says. The The series has outgrown Monaco. Um, 
you know, uh, talking heads like Martin Brundle, um, you know, saying that uh, the the race was made on the weekend, the race was won on Saturday, uh, obviously true because you can't pass. Um, there was a moment I took a screenshot during the during the race where um, twenty five laps into the race and there was a gaggle of cars. Esteban Ocon was running third. He was 17 seconds behind Alonso in, in second place. And then immediately behind him, Sainz, Hamilton, Leclerc, Gasly, um, all running within about a second and a half because they couldn't get around them. They were running about a second a lap faster and just couldn't, there's, there's just no opportunity to pass. I don't know why, uh, People can't see, you know, that that this is really a money deal more than it is a racing deal. Um, but yeah, uh, it is definitely time for, in my opinion, it's definitely time for Monaco to be uh, sent in the uh, the rearview mirror. Um, you know, so many more deserving tracks and so much uh, more. Like there's there's already enough street racing. F1 isn't really a street racing series, although that seems to be the way that they're they're trying to go, uh, getting their cars in front of as many people as possible in corporate centers. Um, you know, Miami's track is a street race, uh, the upcoming Vegas race. Um, but, you know, the cars really, really do their best uh, on on traditional road courses, you know, uh, just by contrast, the, the race that runs in, um, it, in Austin, uh, one of the, you know, obviously one of the newer tracks to formula one, but that track, it provides great racing, long straightaways, technical, uh, corners, um, you know, just, just an awesome, awesome track. Um, and then by comparison, we've just seen a couple of back-to-back races with, um, you know, Baku, obviously the race at Imola was canceled and that's a road course, but, um, yeah, just, just really shabby. Um, you know, when, when the, all the attention is focused on the, the celebrities that are there, the pictures and the video, of the marina and all the multi-million dollar yachts and all the 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 stuff that goes on around the track uh, versus what should be the the focus, which is racing. Uh, again, it's to be it's it's time for a change. Um, we had an off week in karting, which was nice. We spent a little bit of time out at the track yesterday, getting uh, some customer things done, working on a couple of a uh, couple of projects that we have coming up. Um, but this weekend, fortunately, F1 returns, uh, to a regular track. They'll be at, uh, at Barcelona and then, um, IndyCar, IndyCar, and this is going to maybe sound hypocritical, but IndyCar does race fairly well on, on, uh, on street circuits. Um, you know, I, I, I can't really say why, whether it's that, that IndyCar relies more on push to pass instead of the DRS that, you know, the, the, the setup of, of IndyCars are just, you know, more suited with their aero package compared to an F1. I I can't say what it is, but going to be really unique this weekend uh, since they um, there's going to be a, a, 
uh, two channel uh, pit road. So half the cars are going to go down the left side. Half the cars are going to go down the right. Uh, going to be very, very interesting um, to, to see how that plays out. Um, sorry. Um, let's see what positive Mike has to say here. Positive Mike, not really enthused with the upcoming IndyCar race on Detroit streets. Uh, sorry, Mike. I mean, I will always be a, be a champion. Um, you know, Detroit, obviously, um, home to, um, you know, the motor, motor industry, the automotive industry in America, uh, Penske, one of their home bases, uh, obviously Mr. Penske owning the series. Um, they know what they're doing. Um, while there's probably going to be some hiccups with a first year event, um, I, I trust that they know what they're doing. They've invested heavily, uh, in the old facility at Belle Isle. Uh, I think the, the number I heard was almost $15 million over their time there. Um, now it's time to start, uh, it's time to channel, uh, resources somewhere else. That's going to be, um, I think it's going to be great. Uh, and getting to see F1 this weekend back at Barcelona, uh, big changes, um, sorry, I shouldn't say big changes, big change to the track, taking out the final chicane, opening it up. Um, so it's going to be more of a free flowing circuit out of the, you know, what's now the second last corner. Uh, hopefully it allows a little bit more passing. Um, they're definitely going to be um, carrying a lot more speed onto the front straightaway than they did coming out of the chicane. And um, yeah, just really interested to see how that plays out. Um, I'm kind of uh, filibustering here. We're supposed to have a guest joining. I, I'm not sure where, where he's at. Um I might have to fall on the plan B here, um, but uh, we'll we'll just uh, we'll just keep rolling here for a little bit and and see uh, see what's happening. Uh, normally, I split the show. Uh, if you're if you're new to uh, new to us, I split the show halfway between uh, the business that I have within Cantork and half within racing. Uh, always like to cover the. Um, cover the racing highlights, then usually get our guests, um, rolling. And then, um, you know, whether they're, they're business people or racing people, and then, uh, try and finish on racing. Um, sometimes things don't work out the way we want them to, uh, right now we are in the middle of, um, a hiring spree. Uh, we're looking to hire a couple of technicians and it, it forever perplexes me. The, the the level of uh nonsense that we see when it comes to uh resumes and and what people do or what what they'll submit now i understand when when you're looking for a job you'll try just about anything but there's also got to be a level of common sense that says here's what a company's requirements are i don't hit any one of them so submitting my resume is is slim to none with slim on a bus out of town um, over the last week, I've seen, um, I, I probably looked at 250 to 300 resumes. Um, and I've, I've pulled a couple just, um, because they were so indescribably bad. Um, I've eliminated the, uh, the applicant's name. Um, but here, here was the first one that came in and, um, 
I will say that, uh, you know, this person did not get an interview. Um, but as you can see, I am applying for the position at this organization, Company Corp Bank or et cetera. You're supposed to change these things. You're supposed to fill in and, and to make it personalized. And unfortunately, this applicant didn't actually figure that out, um, but listed attention to detail and ability to follow instructions as one of their skill sets. So that was uh, that was classic. I mean, obviously, it's good for a chuckle, um, but little disappointing um if if you're in the audio only version uh the graphic i have up right now is is about uh 10 sentences where um there's 15 different locations where they were supposed to uh insert our company name insert what the position is etc cetera, etc cetera. And, uh, and never once did it. So uh, frustrating, but at least good for a laugh. Uh, then we had this one. Our, our job ad basically says that, you know, you need to be mechanically sound. You need to have um, a bit of a background. We don't want someone from within our industry because I don't, you know, personally, I don't like hiring from competitors. I don't want them to hire from our staff. Uh, I don't want to get access to anything that any of our competitors have. I don't want their customer list. I don't want their pricing. I I don't care. We run completely independent. I don't hire from our customers and I, I don't hire from our suppliers. Um, other than that, I ask people to put a paragraph in why they think they'll be the ideal candidate. Um, because first of all, I want to see if people have the ability to read instructions, understand the instructions, um, and just put a couple sentences together because one of the one of the the requirements that we list is that we want people to be moderately well spoken to be able to communicate, uh, whether it's verbally or or in writing. Um, so just show me it's it's not all that complicated. Um, I got this resume the other day. Uh, this has not been edited in any way, shape, or form. This was the guy's entire submission. It says, again, for the audio people, common sense, you want a straight answer. There is always much to filter. Versatile, numerous jobs over various locations and industries. Education, experience, ambition, spelled incorrectly, meets, meets Edmonton. Where are my six figures? Show me the money. didn't didn't uh we didn't move that into the maybe pile and we didn't move that to uh into the uh we're going to contact you i i guess in one one breath uh admire the uh the tenacity admire the uh cojones that it would take to throw something like that out there i don't think there's a company in the world that would offer someone with a spelling mistake in their in their four line submission, um, a six figure salary, um, maybe in pesos, but, uh, yeah, kind of frustrating, but, uh, these are just parts of, uh, what we deal with on a regular basis. Uh, maybe I need to get better at writing my ads, although I've, I've run my ads through a number of, uh, consultancies and, uh, uh, seems to be what, written to get what we're what we're looking for but unfortunately uh, we just haven't seen to seem to find it so 
unfortunately, I don't know that our guest is going to join us. So I'm going to fall back to our, you know, to my, uh, my plan B and we're going to, we're going to go through some of the, uh, the highlights, um, uh, I don't know that we've actually had too many highlights here in our, our early days of talk and torque, but we've had some pretty significant guests and, and obviously like, um, like anything, our, our, our show has evolved. It's, uh, it's morphed. It's, um, changed. I've gotten a little better at video production. I've, I've changed the, uh, I've changed the lineup a little bit, uh, changed the intros, changed the, uh, change the outros uh well look at this we got our good friend rich engel who at some point richie rich is going to be one of my guests if we can convince him that this isn't all that scary and that he and i will be able to uh carry on a conversation i've only known rich for 30 years um consider him um pretty much shouldn't say pretty much consider him uh my my big brother uh we we should be able to talk here for for a little while and the fact that we do business together Rochelle and um you know know each other quite well it won't be so scary um the good news with podcasts rich is that you can you can have a drink uh you can have multiple drinks if you need them um and uh not not worry too much about it but um I've got a couple of video clips here. Uh, I'm going to, you know, chat a little bit about each individual thing, uh, kind of where it goes, but this was, um, this was, this was day one of talking torque. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, I think I was about five to 10 minutes late because I sat in my chair too afraid to hit the uh, go live button. And, uh, and when I did, I just kind of rambled on. I, I kind of remember what I talked about, but, uh, Here's how it all started. Well, hello there. My name's Colin Livingston. I will be the host of Talking Torque. Uh, I'm glad that you're taking a look at this here tonight. Um, sent out a bio earlier today, a little bit of an introduction of what to expect. Uh, my life basically revolves around two things. Uh, I own a business called Cantorque, a very proud owner of uh, our little industrial manufacturing company. Uh, and the rest of the time, I race. I still work as a crew member uh, with a NASCAR Pinty Series team. I still actively put my helmet on and uh, get to race my go-karts. Uh, I own a company called CRG Racing, uh, which is the factory distribution point for CRG race carts. So I sell uh, parts and pieces and help support other racers. Um, Cantorque is a industrial manufacturing company. We, we specialize in hydraulic torque tools, hydraulic stud tensioners, nut runners, uh, impact sockets, mechanical torque tools, basically anything you'd ever use to tighten and loosen an industrial fastener. 
Yeah. Uh, hair's a little bit shorter. Um, sounds a little bit better and, um, yeah, not, not quite as, not quite as anxious anymore that, uh, you know, slowly started to figure out, um, how to, how to put this together. I haven't done a solo show since then. Been very fortunate. Uh, even along the way, we've done a couple of, uh, two people in one show where, um, you know, had a, had a racing friend and then had one of my uh, distribution partners in the, in the office and we slid them in, uh, the night I did the, uh, the show with my, uh, my good friend, Dominic Fougere, the, um, you know, the main man behind the uh, Grand Prix of Trois-Rivières, um, my son, even, uh, he jumped on for, for a few minutes. Um, you know, I guess anything we're just trying to, we're just trying to have a little bit of fun here, trying to share some of the, the behind the scenes, some of the, uh, the inside the ropes access, um, you know, um, show two, I was able to bring on a good friend. I call everyone a good friend, but, uh, they truly are, uh, spend a lot of time, um, with, with these people, whether it's, uh, at the racetrack or, uh, within business, uh, John Taskinen has been a very good friend for the last bunch of years. Uh, we, we do a lot of racing together and, uh, was, was a lot of fun to have him on and, um, you know, talk about his business Snubco, um, who, also represents Cantork uh, around the world, and and we also do a lot of racing together with uh, with our with our CRG program. Uh, here's a little clip of uh, of John uh, talking about a little bit about what they do and um, and and the challenges we all faced uh, during the during the time of COVID. So you know, I mean, for for people who are who are watching and and you know maybe don't understand, like obviously everyone has their own COVID story of how you know they maybe lost their job, they you know lost this that or the other thing. It it uh, within the world of business, I mean, it's been you know what are we at three and a half years now, and we're just slowly starting to you know lick our wounds and and get back to normal. Yeah, it, well, it takes a lot of time in the international market too. I mean. North American market reacts a lot quicker. Um, but yeah, the international market, especially when you're talking about companies like Aramco and Adnoc, it just, it, everything takes so long. And, you know, a lot of it's starting over. I mean, people left. Um, people you might have been engaging with in 2019 are no longer there. It was great to have John... Um you know, come in Snubco is, is an Edmonton based business doing, uh, crazy, crazy good things. And, and, um, you know, some of the solutions that they're coming up with, uh, with, with some of their, their local, uh, solutions, uh, things like, uh, line freezing, uh, hot tapping, things like that. Um, it, it's so impressive. Um, you know, John was here today, uh, while he was here, received a call from a customer who was experiencing, uh, a very specific type of, of leak, um, you know, basically a pinhole type leak, uh, on a, you know, I, I don't want to say too much cause I don't want to give the customer away, but, um, you know, their, their solution, uh, was, was going to be very, very economical compared to what the, the potential for damage was going to be. And just, you know, listening to John walk through the troubleshooting process and, and how things could be solved, 
uh, was, was just awesome. Uh, getting, getting to see those kinds of things on a, on a daily and weekly basis, uh, you know, truly inspiring, um, you know, pushes us to move in a different direction as well to make sure or to, to reaffirm that we're always trying to put our customers needs ahead of our own and, and to make sure that our solutions are, are not focused on, you know, profit loss, um, you know, things like that, that we make sure that we get the, the problem solved and, and make sure that our customers uh, needs are taken care of. Um, there, there's also, uh, you know, a little bit of fun along the way. Um, one of my, uh, again, good friends, uh, Daryl Har. Uh, Daryl is the, uh, the owner and operator of Westworld Computers, who is Apple's uh, very first dealer in Canada. Um, still to this day, they're, they're a very strong Apple partner that uh, they have to spend time competing with Apple directly. Uh, Apple obviously has the, the Apple stores. They're opening up all over the place. And um, while they have legacy at Westworld Computers, it, it can be a challenge. But Daryl's also a racer, and, and he's competed at some of the highest, uh, some of the, the the highest levels of NASCAR, making it to to the to the Xfinity Series, doing a number of races there, uh, running in the old K and N West. Um, you know, just just a super guy, still traveling around North America, operating race teams, and um, you know, working to get more people involved in racing. Uh, had a lot of fun with him, and uh, here's here's one of the snippets that. Um, that, that came from that show. They're the same opinion, but I want to know what keeps you coming back to that or, or why am I wrong? Well, no, I, I you know, I, if, to be candid with you, I mean, I don't watch a lot of NASCAR these days. Um, I don't watch for whatever reason, a lot of racing period. I, um, after having a 20 some year career and I still have my car and I still do driver training and I am still working with a pro race team and I still want to go racing. It's, it, it's something where you're right from the outside looking in, you always see the politics. You always see the, uh, game uh, play or whatever they, the game control, whatever they would call that uh, game management, we'll call it like, you, know, you have to have your competition yellows. You got to have, you know, it seems like there's, well, but that went away in large part once they started stage racing. Yeah. Well, and that's what I mean by, by the stage racing. Yeah. yeah. That, and you know, and I, but I do agree with you. I think that NASCAR definitely had such substantial growth um, over the the nineties and the two thousands, like where they, they took Daytona from 60,000 seats, I think to like 150,000 or more um, in the course of a about five year period. And when that, when the scalpers started coming in, when you got went to Bristol and now you're paying a thousand bucks a night for a hotel and 500 bucks for a ticket, you know, it just, it, it, everything has its you know rubber band effect and NASCAR's rubber band snapped probably about five years ago. And they had to start really trying to figure it out. Um, the, the cost to go racing was insane. I would drive down to, you know, uh, an Xfinity race that I was trying to qualify for in Kansas and, uh, you know, I get sent home because we weren't fast enough. Um, and, and that's a, that's a tough pill to swallow, but now they've gone to these franchise things where you're in the race, no matter what, which, which does that take away from competition? Maybe. Um, but I tell you what, like it, it, they're trying to balance affordability for the sport. It's stupid. We walk away with a $20,000 tire bill and not qualify. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like it's it's ridiculous so they, they've got so many priorities that they're trying to balance and try to get the race racing closer i i just i don't envy the position that those guys are in um you know i uh 
when I was racing in Las Vegas, actually, I was in the uh, Xfinity series. Uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. tried to come around on his qualifying uh, test run. And uh, I was up by the wall and he ran into me about the start finish line and put a donut on my door. And NASCAR came up to me and said, you know, give, give the superstars some room, Daryl Har." <laughs> so I saw Dale Jr. in the driver's meeting and said, man, sorry, I got uh, got up in your way there. He's like, oh, my car is handled like a bag of shit. You, yeah. You're the only thing that prevented me from hitting the wall. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Love that, uh, you know, having our, our local lo- local guy, um, Daryl, uh, tell such a great story, uh, being able to throw around Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s name like it's no big deal. And, and you know, at the time, obviously, you're doing everything you can to stay out of the way. Um, and then because it was Dale Earnhardt Jr., um, you know, one of the most popular drivers in, in NASCAR history uh, against uh, St. Albert product Daryl Har. NASCAR actually came to, to Daryl after and said, Hey, listen, you got to give this guy room. Um, so they, you know, they put on a certain set of glasses that, uh, uh, doesn't necessarily reflect what, what happens on track, but, uh, the, the laughter and, and that smile that you see coming out of Daryl, that's there, uh, 24 hours a day. Every time I see the guy, he's always laughing at everything. Um, you know, uh, hoping to get uh, get Daryl lined up to to get back in a couple of go-kart races here before the end of the year and um uh really uh, remember what it's like to ha- to have to use your muscles to uh to drive a car instead of uh all the cushy comforts that uh, his his new cars have with power brakes and uh you know anti-lock and um uh, traction control and power steering and all that things that uh, we can't even imagine in go-karts, but it wasn't, it's not always racing. Uh, we we've had outside guests as well. Uh, one is the, the owner and operator, a uh, hell of a nice guy of, of my, uh, my home gym, Aaron bold, uh, Aaron being a professional lacrosse player for, for a number of years, uh, as a goalie, uh, we we covered a lot of a lot of ground with the the operation of the business, the challenges they went through. Obviously, for them, COVID hit extremely hard because here in Alberta, uh, we were we were required and they were required to shut down completely. They couldn't open their doors, you know, aside from employees going in to deal with certain things. But there was no customers under no circumstance. Uh, we weren't even able to go in there wearing masks. So that that really hurt uh, obviously cash flow um but then we got into a little of the behind the scenes i was uh, admittedly very very ignorant when it came to lacrosse i'd only seen a couple of highlights uh, obviously do some research and and watch but uh, trying to figure out the mechanics of what was going on was was really interesting uh, i i really uh, i really like the the goalie position whether it's hockey or or lacrosse obviously aaron is a goalie and i wanted to know uh, my, uh, I'll throw the question up after, uh, but I, I had a really, a really hard pressing question, uh, and, and he was great to answer it. The, uh, shooters in the world just do it. It's just, they just do it. It's crazy. I don't know. So, I mean, from a goalie standpoint, I, if I was going to take a position in hockey, I would always rather be a goalie than a skater just because I wasn't a really strong skater, but I'm super curious what do you wear for shoes? Because I'm thinking about wanting to slide side to side. You want to kind of be able to slide. You don't want to have like really sticky footwear because if you catch your foot, you can twist your ankle. True. 
but now I understand with the sliding, but I think that's more kind of to do with like skates where you kind of push off from your skate, you know, you're on a pad and then you get back up and you kind of etch your other skate to kind of hold your position. Um, I wear just basketball shoes, new balance basketball shoes, uh, believe it or not, nothing, anything special. Uh, even though sometimes we get hit in the, the toes and we'll have a nice little bloody toe or whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I like having the grip because myself, I'm a bigger goalie. Yes. But I also like to be, I'm a very positional goaltender. So, um, people, you know, always say that I'm really good with my angles and that's what I try and do is, is teach the the young adolescent kind of goalies out there is it's all about angles. It's all about angles, footwork position, because 80% of the time, if you are in that angle, you're going to have a better chance to stop. And if, if you can't react to it compared to having not so good angles and you lower that chance dramatically just by footwork and knowing where you are in your net. So yeah, which goes back to my father-in-law's concept that if you're in position, that's exactly. you know, really what he's saying is if you're in position, that's 90% of the battle. You got it. Uh, I, I could talk to these guys uh, all day and, and as, as that clip's going on, I know that um, this maybe you know, seems, seems smooth or maybe seems awkward. I'm not really sure what the perception is, but to, to, to go back through these episodes and cut these little sections out. I mean, it was hours and hours and hours of time because I didn't, I don't remember exactly the sequence of events that these things happen. I want to go back and, um, you know, kind of cover the whole thing and then to, you know, to extract the, the video to trim it down. So it moderately fits, um, uh, as I get to, to future episodes, which we won't be able to cover today. I, I, uh, one of my, my most recent, we had Alex Tagliani on, uh, Alex was, it was extremely verbose. Um, it was kind of fun to have, a um, a long form, um, non-structured, uh, interview, uh, for me being the interviewer is, is still very strange, but there's a lot about Alex that I know. And, and I don't think a lot of people did, and, and I won't be able to put this up because, uh, just won't have time, but it was a simple question. We were an hour and 32 minutes into the show. And I said, I have one more question. The, the highlight of him answering that question ran into a 25 minute clip and from the, the hour and 30 minute mark, we weren't done until almost two and a half hours. Uh, so it was, it was plenty of fun. I don't know if people, people enjoyed seeing it or not, or if they learned anything, but, uh, you know, we both sure had, had, uh, had a lot of fun. I'm not a hundred percent, uh, stuck in the world of, of Alex, um, you know, I, I get along with the ma overwhelming majority of our, our competitors and teams that are in our NASCAR Pinty series. Um, you know, I, I don't I don't run around glad handing everyone. But uh, from time to time, um, you know, we'll always say hi to each other. Um, always there's a time and a place where someone needs something from us or we need something from them. Um, it's it. it it's always um, very satisfying to know that we were able to help somebody out or that we got to watch, um, you know, Scott from 22 racing, you know, Lona, a drive shaft to, you know, Daniel Bois during the Canadian tire race a couple weeks ago, or we needed a carburetor because there was something that we weren't happy with, with the carb or whatever. Um, 
in in the the NASCAR Pinty's garage, I can promise there is no nicer guy, and I will say this to the day I die, than Larry Jackson. Um, Larry just is plain and simple, uh, always friendly, always super positive, um, crazy hard worker. Spends all winter, you know, rebuilding his cars, trying to upgrade them as as best he can on on candidly a very limited budget, um, but. Uh, you know, uh, had him on, uh, this was show five and we got to talk a little bit about, uh, how we met and, uh, our first interaction together. That's, that's how I got hands dirty, right? So that's how I got roped into being your spotter the first time at St. Nostash. Is that because you only had a small crew, you, you made it there, but you had enough hands to keep the car physically running, but you didn't have anyone else to put a headset on. And and Sean Gibbs, who was the the flag man and and an official at the time came into our, um, into our hauler and said, Hey, can you spot for Larry Jackson? I'm like, Larry Jackson. Who's Who's that? that? He's like, guys, you know, really great guy. I'm like, geez, I don't, I've never met the guy. I don't know. He's like, no, he has to have a spotter. If you like, if we can't get him a spotter, he can't run. It's like, okay. I wasn't really doing anything anyway, besides, you know, getting in my guy's way yeah. and then away we went yeah we, i think we had a pretty good time that time i don't i don't think we did talk anything about racing i think we just chatted and laughed and on hooter yeah it was so much fun yeah well at the risk of violating um the uh, driver spotter relationship and what could have been a private conversation <laughs> um I, I think it started when we were doing parade laps and um you <laughs> said something to the extent like hey spotter you got a drink up there I'm like yeah i got a bottle of water why like, no, no, no. Are you drinking up there? Like, no, why? He's like, I'm drinking in here. Let's get this thing going. Party started. I knew, I knew I was, uh, I knew I was in, in uh, good company at that point. Yeah. And when we went racing back then, it was all in our dime, our own car. I'm pretty sure. Uh, the guys of beauty, just, just, just love them. Um, you know, Larry, Wendy, uh, their whole crew, Phil, their spotter, uh, Phil and I always seem to cohabitate together. Uh, we'll, we'll forever, you know, we miss a call sometimes, um, you know, as a spotter, we're listening to our team channel, but at the same time, we're required to listen to NASCAR so that when NASCAR gives instructions, they give a rundown of what's going on. We have to listen. And from time to time, they're talking at the same time. And, and depending on how you have your volume set and depending on, on how good you are at paying attention to, to multiple things simultaneously, um, you, you will often miss a call from NASCAR. And, and uh, you know, really fortunate, you know, Phil pays attention. I pay attention. Uh, you know, Kenny um, from, from uh, the 20 car, he pays attention. We all seem to be uh, able to, to help each other out especially when the call is relating back to our team and, and actions that we have to take. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just really thankful to those guys and, and, you know, everyone else in our, uh, our, our NASCAR Pinty's uh, series uh, garage. That same show um, I had uh, distributor friends of ours from uh, MFM tools, uh, part of the Mikasu group. They were in town uh, getting a little update, uh, seeing, seeing our latest, uh, products, uh, the, the developments that we've had in the shop. And, um, you know, while they, they watched, uh, the majority of the podcast live, just kind of sitting in behind my desk. Um, we then had, um, you know, one of their, one of their reps, um, 
jump on and and we did uh we did a few minutes uh this is this is uh a quick little snippet unfortunately mike uh wasn't wasn't uh on mike all that uh all that well but uh did a pretty good job for his first uh for his fledgling fledgling uh visit on to uh talk and torque what was it about us without, you know, being too ass kissery, but, um, you know, I, I'm not <laughs> looking, sales. I'm, I'm not looking for, for, uh, you know, ego stroking, but what was it about us that, that appealed to MFM? Uh, it's just, a, it's a great product. It's a product. Not only is it great, but it's Canadian made. So we're keeping the money in Canada for the same products, only better that you can find elsewhere. So now we're getting distributorship. We're getting <clears throat> not distributorship, but, you guys are manufacturing these tools right here in Edmonton. This is something that we need more of. We need the knowledge from Canada for Canada. We need the tooling from Canada for Canada. And we can get these tools. There's no supply chain legs. There's no shipment legs from China. There's no metal missing. There's It's right here. This is what we need. It's not a huge dollar difference. This These products are amazing. They're lightweight. They're top of the technology right now for bolting and this is what we need to do more of and do better of in canada we just need to keep everything local yeah and you couldn't see the one picture that i threw up i'll throw it back up again but um pulled it off of your website um where there's a technician servicing a hydraulic torque wrench now you and i could take a look at that torque wrench and we know that this is a competitor's tool this isn't one of our (laughs) tools and um but you know while i take a look at it it's like it's not one of our tools because we don't have the same repairs. We don't have the same likelihood of failure as some of our, our competitive products. Oh, exactly. There's less failure. It's ergonomically correct. There's less injury. They're a very, they're a light tool. And that's one of the huge aspects over any of the competitors. Cause it can, it's fine when you have a handheld tool, but once you get into the larger RT eights, tens, twelves, it's a heavy tool and these guys are having to crane competitors products where yours just takes two guys. Yeah. And what, what are the, um, what, what are the kind of criteria that your customers are asking for? Like, do they want, do they care about Canadian made? Do they care about speed weight? Do they care about price? What is the the criteria is right now? It's, it's more or less what they had in the past and they're slowly, but surely getting out of that. But it's carrying over. Well, we already always had this competitor's product. We have a full fleet of them. Why would we change? And it's well, it's because it's Canadian made. It's because it's safer. It's because it's lighter. Because there's no lag when it comes to getting parts. So the repairs are quicker. Repairs. If there is, we get them same day. So it's it's just getting in their heads and making a change. And we're slowly seeing that these tools are faster. They're more slim lined. It's, it's just a win for everybody. Yeah. I appreciate that. Um, you know, conversely, you know, we were after Mikasu for a long time. That was, you know, between my, my sales guy and myself, um, strategically, there was always a, there was a decision to be made whether we go up and open up our own shop and then try and do everything directly or, do we find someone that we can support that can be our face in the region? Because Fort McMurray from Edmonton is, you know, call it a four hour drive. I think from the outskirts of town to the outskirts of town is 399 kilometers, according to my, my uh, memory of the, the road signs, but it's not, I've done the trip up and down in a day, 
but it's not really a day trip. So we need to have, you know, an establishment and, and what, what Mikasu does really well. I mean, you're, you're, I think you guys are far better known for your repair services than your sales services or even your rental services. But it was that presence that you guys have so many established relationships. You're the first call for almost every repair and are so well positioned and so well respected in Fort McMurray that uh, it was, you know, for me, it was the only choice that it just took a long time to get lined up. Mike Wagner, thank you so much for for that, giving us the time. Uh, obviously, we we turn it into a bit of a commercial for for both Cantork and for MFM Tools, but uh, those guys are really the established repair business in in Fort McMurray and do such a great job, especially because they're they're First Nations owned and um, you know really uh, help contribute and, and help get back and give back to the community. Uh, really, really thankful to be able to work with those guys. Um, and, and, uh, at some point, obviously we're, we're going to have to try and get, uh, get Mike back. Um, by the time we got to show six, um, I, I made a, a slightly strategically smart move, uh, brought on uh, one of the best guys in racing, Dominic Fougere. Again, Dom is the, uh, the, the big manager of the GP3R Grand Prix de Trois-Rivières, uh, one of the greatest motorsports events. Um, I will put it side by side with the Indy 500, uh, mainly because of the fan engagement. Uh, the, the race itself is always awesome uh, for our our Indy series. Uh, we will race alongside uh, some of the Road to Indy ladder uh, series. There's often F1600, uh, Formula Ford, CTCC. Um, you know, we get all kinds of stuff, and it's it's usually a, a two week event where there will be uh, Global Rallycross and and then the uh, the road course. But the the town itself. Uh, supports the 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 race so well i mean it's obviously not uh uniform there's always going to be people who complain about anything but uh the race is is uh awesome the town gets behind it um uh, traditionally there's fireworks display on saturday there's ferris wheels downtown they shut down their their pub district to to motorize traffic uh really 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 cool setting uh but uh, we, we got to pull this little clip. I mean, Dominic, um, you know, he's like having Alex on, um, kind of like when I had my buddy Dean Blundell on. When you bring a proper broadcaster on, you almost don't have to ask a question. You just kind of have to wind them up and, uh, and, and away they go. And, and uh, Dom was, uh, was just great. Um, here, here's a quick little snippet of, of uh, his show to a lot of very big memories for me as well, but I'm not going to share that. But um, the one question I ask everyone here, we've covered a whole bunch here and I don't want to keep you any longer because you obviously have a lot more. It looks like your glass is getting empty and uh, I know you got better things to do, but uh, attaboy, this is a pro here. You could could be an Albertan with mindset like that. But Hey, this is is actually um, Ukrainian vodka from Saskatchewan. So what's it called? Yeah, it's called Lucky Bastard. Okay. Guy won the lottery, decided to open a vodka distillery. You got, you got it. I mean, made with Saskatchewan wheat, and uh, it's honey pepper. So it's a uh, very sweet and very spicy and very good. My my grandmother is Ukrainian, so I decided 
I couldn't get any any U Ukraine real Harilka because of the war when the war started. So dialed up my friends in Saskatchewan and made sure that they uh, that they uh, were able to mail over a few bottles. Had them mailed to Ontario, if you can imagine, because they they wouldn't mail them to Quebec for some reason. I don't know, but uh, I was able to get them. So salute, mon ami. I will. I'll send. Uh, I'll send you the picture you want when we're done. You send me that name because I will forget. But uh, because Saskatoon happens before GP3R, I can make sure that I have a bottle or two in my bag when I get out there. Um, one of my favorite questions, and um, you're not going to get away without it. What's something about the race or something about your job that people don't know or that they misconstrue that you want to that you want to you know dispel the myth? That's easy. I still get asked. So, what do you do the rest of the year? <laughs> it's only two and, weeks. Can't keep and, you that busy. So, what's the answer? What do you do with the rest the of the year? What I do is that I I start working on the future editions, plus the past. You know, we got all the counting to do to to go through. And, of course, no, I get but, it. Uh, yeah, that's the, the, that's why one one of the big one of the big misconceptions, and the other one. Which I won't, I won't call it a misconception, but it's, it's something that, that people need to be aware of. And the further away you are from the event, the more you know about this. But the closer you are, I'm talking about some people in the rivers that, that wouldn't have a clue about this, is that um, our event gives our city a, I mentioned a calling card factor, but it, it gives us a reputation that's second around the world. Um, our... Uh, MNA, Member National Assembly, was in London on vacation. Turns on the TV, Rallycross Race was there. Uh, um, we are on the Nitro Rallycross schedule this year, which was we're along Stockholm, Minneapolis, Los Angeles, Phoenix, London, England. Well, Lyndon Hill, but still, you know, it's, it's an hour from London. And uh, uh, which one am I? Which one am I? I'm missing one. Um, anyhow. It shows you that it, it allows a small town like Three Rivers to have world-class ambitions, world-class exposure, and also be able to give people a world-class welcome when they decide to come and join us. Do you know the name Nicholas Berceau? Poor editing on on my part there to, to add that last question about uh, uh, Nick, uh, former ambassador for Canada to Kazakhstan. I know that sounds like a joke, but it isn't. Uh, Nicholas is an awesome guy from from Three Rivers. Uh, just loved having Dom on. There's, uh, we'll we'll definitely get him back on as we lead up to GP3R. Uh, we're hoping to do a. Uh, a crier group uh, you know hopefully we can get a handful of our, our counterparts out to the race and um, you know do some live broadcasting do some more fan engagement and uh, and and uh, just have a good time at, at again what not just one of the best races but one of the best events uh, there there really is uh, thanks again Dom uh, uh, really appreciate the laughs and definitely we'll be bringing out the uh, the lucky bastard vodka uh, when when I next see you uh, from Dom um, was was um, the, uh, the the first appearance, and uh, I'm not sure if the last, but uh, I I got to uh, I got to pop my son Parker on. So Parker works within Cantork. Um, he's been my son for as long as I can remember. Um, and uh, just just as a joke, uh, made the comment that 
um, he wanted, I, I asked him if he wanted to come on and he said, for sure. I said, well, what are we going to talk about? He said, I don't know. So we just kind of faked it. And, and, uh, I have to admit, uh, certainly was a little bit awkward, uh, because while I'm, I'm quite accustomed and very comfortable to talking to my son, wasn't so accustomed, especially without any kind of planning to, uh, to interviewing him. But, uh, I think, I think we, we pieced it together. Now. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Now, what? Why did you want to be on here? Well, I got the offer while I was sitting around here, so and might as well. And that's it. So we talk about torque. So this this is obviously called talk and torque. Yeah. We just talked about automotive torque. Let's yeah. let's talk about industrial torque. What is it that you do? Well, I am the lead service technician in in your shop, Can Torque, and I I'll deal with a lot of the the rentals, new sales orders, helping customers, uh, all that, all that fun stuff. Cool. Yeah. So what, what is something about your job that people misconstrue or people misunderstand that you have to correct them? Ooh, that's, I didn't think that I'd be getting that question too. Um, I think that a lot of, uh, a lot of people think that it's just, it's just automotive stuff that we do when I, when I bring it up to them, when I talk about it, cause they see, they see you promoting a lot of, a lot of racing with the Cantorque name. So it's like, Oh yeah, you guys are in the automotive industry, right? It's like, no, that's more of a, it's more of a fun time thing. That's more of a, a boss man thing. He likes to do that on the side. How do you use your hydraulic wrenches on a race car? It's, and, it's tough. And, and we don't, and you know, race cars are obviously just a, uh, an avenue for us to advertise exactly um what okay so obviously yet again another terrible editing job um i i candidly ran out of time because as uh dealing with uh the the goings on within the business uh trying to chop that together this morning just flat never got back to it. So unfortunately, uh, this is this is what you get in the world of podcasting, and, and this is why there's so many of them, because while uh they're they're uh they can be very time consuming, obviously any idiot like me can can put one on. Um just about to wrap up, but we had one more, and uh, again, within within the world of the NASCAR Pinty series, um this is a guy uh that that certainly stands out. I cannot say a bad thing about any of our broadcast team uh you know from you know joel robinson that uh that runs fuel media todd lewis dave bradley uh love them all um really enjoy uh, getting to speak to them uh, virtually every race i mean once in a while paths just don't cross but there's always uh, always seems like there's there's some kind of uh interaction but uh long time uh friend a uh, really really awesome guy we've we've uh, done some traveling together adam got to uh we gave adam a ride back from saskatoon to edmonton when he had to fly back a couple of years ago uh just you know uh, just love the guy to pieces awesome broadcaster has great insight and really really uh awesome perspective on on the world of racing um Here's a little snippet of my my chat with uh, with Adam. Yeah, it now, works. 
let's uh, let's talk a little bit about GeForce TV. Um, it's something you know. I actually don't have television service, so I don't subscribe to any of the the feeds for me to watch racing. I've got to go online. I've got to buy subscriptions to either F1 or to whatever. But you guys stream a lot of racing and have a lot of really good programming. Yeah, we're really proud of, of what we've put together. So so GeForce TV was something that we started at Ashwikan Speedway. And the core team we have there is is excellent. Like the only announcer I think that could compete with Dave Bradley to, to be considered the best would be Greg Kalman. Uh, the fellow I work with at Ashwikan Speedway, just absolutely fantastic. We have Spencer, who is a phenomenal producer. Of course, we have Clinton Jeffrey. Um, and myself and a few years ago we just kind of thought about you know what what would it be like if we took our show on the road you know go down the go down the highway to Flamborough Speedway or somewhere else because at Ashwikan we were already incorporating a multi-camera production uh, where you've got multiple announcers multiple cameras live switching It, it was becoming a good production and as much as 2020 was was one of the worst years of my life, uh, professionally, uh, the pandemic really helped GeForce TV get off the ground because it was the only way to deliver motorsports uh, to an audience was to be able to stream it live. The competitors come out could come out, but the fans couldn't, and uh, it, it just sort of catapulted us into opportunities. Yeah, it's great. For people who don't know, again, Oshweekin is a dirt track, um, you know, running, you know, typically sprint cars. Um, you guys have a version of a late model out there? Yeah, they're, we call them Thunderstock. So some yeah. tracks might call them bombers. Um, very entertaining. So V8 powered stock cars. I will go back. You and I had a number of conversations privately I will throw myself under the bus. I've been very, very, very vocal about why, you know, I believe that NASCAR should not, and specifically our Pinty series should not be racing on dirt. It didn't make any sense to me. We went and did the race last year, and I have to say without any hesitation, I was so wrong that... The, the sh- I think we put on a pretty good show for a bunch of guys who don't race on dirt. You know, we, you know, at the same account, we don't put on nearly the show as a, as a field of sprint cars running three and four wide, you know, 30 miles an hour faster than us. But I think we did okay. I, I don't know what the fan feedback was, but um, it, I mean, it was the first time in my life that first of all, I was able to call five wide and it was the first time that we went more than three wide that I didn't care. We could do like, we just knew that it was fine. You had to understand if you wanted to enjoy it, you had to embrace what it was. And it was a bunch of cars that weren't built to be raced on a dirt track, but, but they're perfectly capable um, going out there. And as you say, were they setting the world on fire in terms of top speed? Well, not if you put a sprint car out beside it that's built to, to be on that racing surface. But there was phenomenal action. You're going to see how well it was received, Colin, this year when the crowds are even bigger. Because I didn't hear from anybody, and this is not an official poll, but I didn't hear from anybody who was there who isn't itching to go back and, and see some more of it. 
And that's 100% testament to Glenn Styers and Clinton Jeffrey, um, which were the two guys that I saw doing, you know, more than anyone. The difference between uh, a shitty event, a mediocre event, and an event like we had is the hospitality that we're shown. Sometimes we go to a track and I'm not going to throw anyone under the bus, but we're made to feel like we're not really welcome there. We don't really get any instruction. We don't really know where we're supposed to set up this, what, what we can do for that. Clinton and Glenn could not have done enough for us. They made us feel like super appreciated. The, the story I keep telling is the next day, you know, we weren't able, and first of all, <laughs> My race night did not end until about 5.30 in the morning. We, I, I ended up hanging out with um, uh, Stuart Friesen for, for a while. And then, um, oh boy, why am I drawing a blank when I, when I don't need to? But um, we ended up staying up just, just BSing for, for hours and hours and hours. Yes, there were some drinking involved, but it wasn't, that's not what we were doing. We were just getting after it. Matthew Scannell, sorry about that, Matthew. Um, you know, he, he and I were the last ones up, finally got to bed about six o'clock in the morning. Um, I was up by about nine o'clock in the morning and, um, you know, we open up, we're getting ready to shut the motorhome down. We're getting ready to move to wherever we had to go next. And I said, I don't believe what I'm looking at. And, you know, Amanda's there with me and she's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, look at that guy. She's like, yeah. So what? He's picking up garbage. I'm like, no. That's Glenn Styers. This is his place. And he's out there in shorts and t-shirt, like crack ass the next morning, picking up the, the, the litter that everyone else was, couldn't be bothered and just making the place immaculate. That in one little microcosm capsule told me everything I needed to know about Glenn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a, there's a huge pride factor. For, for all of us who work at Ashwikin, because we welcomed thousands of people who would have never considered coming to that track. We have a phenomenal family and community every Friday night to come out and watch dirt sprint car racing and, and just awesome. Um, I, I can still completely put myself back in that moment, opening up the blinds and, and seeing Glenn in his shorts and flip flops, picking up other people's garbage that again, they just just saw such great hospitality from the event and were so disrespectful to throw their garbage around. Uh, but uh, huge respect to, uh, to Glenn and everyone at, at Osh weekend. Uh, that's halfway through our guest list um, in our, in our short 14 uh, episode run. Um, we've got um Amanda Green, my girlfriend, uh, she did an episode. Troy Shellamy, one of my racing counterparts, uh, owner of Shellamy Financial, uh, highlighted Dean Blundell when when Dean came on, and and uh, you know since since Dean came on, actually finally got to meet him face to face. That's gonna that's gonna set us uh, down the road for a whole lot of uh, new adventures and a, and a bunch of different ideas that we have going on. Um, and and for for people who just don't know or you know still see Dean uh, from his uh, his radio days. Um, he could not be a nicer guy, more, most sincere, thoughtful, caring, kind, um, awesome guy. Um, really looking forward to doing more with him and Cryer. Uh, 
long interview with Tag. I'm going to try and chop that uh, that interview down a bit more uh, for the the next time we do a little highlight package. Again, uh, asked one final question, and the answer took uh, took almost 25 minutes. Uh, Kyle Stevens, local racer, go kart uh, legends driver. Uh, operator of a, a local automotive business, family-run business, Dynaco Automotive. Uh, again, great family. Uh, that was that was a lot of fun. And then uh, one of our sponsors, Dave Lloyd from QuickWick, um, making these uh, these awesome. Do I still have it on my desk? I'll I'll do the product placement. Uh, making these awesome fire starters uh, for for anyone. Uh, Edmonton. We finally had our fire ban lifted. So anyone who's looking for for uh, getting back out and and doing a campfire here in the city, uh, if you're trying to do it without a QuickWick, you're uh, you're just wasting your time. But uh, thanks as always really appreciate the comments really appreciate um you know everyone tuning in uh, the viewers that we're getting uh, far greater than than i'd ever expected um obviously i shouldn't say obviously if uh, if you can watch through youtube uh then we can get more interaction uh the the can obviously watch through uh through twitter through linkedin uh but those comments um you know they just don't make it back here and uh ideally we want to get to the point that this is this is more of a an interactive program than just a bunch of people talking love answering the questions love um you know being able to to educate people and and to uh you know, really show what goes on between uh the running of the business and uh the operating of the race team uh we'll be back next week um not too sure with who uh we got uh, thankfully i got seven days to try and put something together with a guest uh and and uh really really sincerely hope you'll tune in uh if you ever have any questions you can always hit us up on the socials at talk and torque uh you can also email me directly uh hey there at talk and everywhere the imagination dares it's for the open-minded the pleasure seeker it's jeff woods with the new podcast about relationships and sexuality theme-based with special guests the blue hotel hotline at every episode climaxes with an adult bedtime story get a room and listen in at the blue hotel Begins Friday, September 23rd. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? 
Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network.